It's happened to me right in front of my face and I just can't describe it. Um, finally, England I find really their feet. I that rendition. Does that help the migraine? Oh, a, a little, a little. Welcome to Upfront Down Under. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. We're back early. Yes, I know I said we'd be back on Wednesday, but we just couldn't wait after England turned on the start with a 6-1 win against China. The goals. I mean, Lauren James. I mean, Rachel Daly. And all hail, Serena Beekman. We round up the biggest moments from the Lionesses' most convincing win in a good while and check in with the US after they survive a scare to reach the next round alongside the Netherlands who smashed Vietnam. Goal of the tournament? Possibly. Uh, a reminder, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at upfront underscore pod. Right. Let's get stuck in. It's just happened. We're fresh in the moment. England turn over China 6-1. I was expecting the win. I wasn't expecting a win this big. I wasn't expecting a performance this solid, this confident, this this level of thrashing, to be honest. But, I mean, maybe the stale performances over the last few games have forced Serena into sort of making some bigger changes. She's now become the sort of the most consistently inconsistent manager that we're seeing in the tournament and that seems to be a complete um you know departure from everything that we've known from the euros i mean big changes coming up again we've seen you know tune being dropped we've seen katie zellum come in and i just want to say i mean i don't want to say i told you so but i do also have to say i told you so um, she also wasn't a direct replacement but we'll get on to that yeah yeah I there was a double like pivot which I mentioned. We, we don't, we don't need to get into the, the ins and outs of it, okay? We just need to understand that I won that bet, I think, more than anything. Um, but yeah, talk to me. When you first saw that lineup come through, what were you thinking? When the lineup came out, I'm not going to lie, um, everyone was just trying to figure out the lineup. Who who was where? She's playing? Oh, and she's playing. And Daly, and Russo, and James, and Hemp. Like, it was a bit of a who's going where, what's happening. Um, I feel like even during the game, there were moments where you were like, oh, there's a double pivot. And then we're also playing three at the back. So there's four in the middle. And then, you know, it was one of those, There was it was very fluid. Fluid was the word of the evening, I nice. think. Um, particularly the first half. Um, and I thought it was really interesting the way Zellum and Stanway worked together. Now we have to talk about the bet because the funniest thing happened in the press room beforehand. When I came up to you to tell you that you were right, that Zellum was in the squad and I was saying, you know, I was right about Millie Bright the first time round. You were right about Zellum the second time round. So, you know, what do we do? We both owe each other a schooner. Do we call it quits or do we do we do the buying of the schooners? We had a whole chat about it. And then literally about two minutes later, you come all haughty, stomping over to me and Sophie going, um, have you t- have you seen the team sheet? And I was like, yeah. And you're like, yeah. Zellum started, just saying, just saying, won the bet, won the bet and off. You stomp off, back off. And I was like... We literally just had a chat about this for the last four minutes about like the bet, what the terms were. Shall we continue it on for the rest of the tournament? And you'd come over all cocky, cocky swagger. In my defense, I had completely misunderstood the conversation and that you were anticipating being wrong, not that you were actually wrong. Um, but I think 
that was one of the, and I think that the choice that she made in having Selim, I think was absolutely the right one. I mean, I don't think she actually put a foot wrong. I know I'm a United fan. I know I'm slightly biased, but I, I mean, it's been a while since we've talked about United. Okay. It's been about two months now. It feels like a very long time since we've departed from the WSL, but I think um, what Zellen provided was exactly what I said. She provided that experience. I mean, the set pieces that she had, the first one didn't really go to plan. But I think she was key. And I think you know, she wasn't she wasn't subbed off. Serena was very happy with her performance, played the full 90. And I can see her maintaining that role. Um, but what I think really stood out for me was the defence and the, the the stark change that we saw there and having the three at the back and then also having the wing backs as well. Rachel Daly pushing on, it allowed Lucy Bonds to push on. And like, lo and behold, you're looking at some of our defensive players actually being a big part of the attack. I mean, Lucy Bonds with that header nearly got it and also nearly got the follow-up. Um, you've got Rachel Daly being able to push on, you know, encouraging Lauren James again to, to kind of like build her own confidence. And what we saw of Lauren James today, I mean... Where do you even start? These aren't just like scrappy little gold mouth kerfuffles. These are worldy tournament winning kind of, you know, golden boot type vibes. I mean, this is this is almost Ballon d'Or level. I mean, talk to me when you kind of saw these Lauren James go in, like goals go in and also the frustration at one of them being disallowed because of a ridiculous VAR call that I think we'll, yeah. we'll, have, to, we'll have to talk about. Yeah. That first goal from Lauren James was very Lucy Bronze-esque. It reminded me of against Norway in the 2015 World Cup, against Norway in the 20, 2019 World Cup. This one was a bit more 2019 World Cup-esque. Um, that free kick from a similar position, cut back to Lucy Bronze at the top of the box. It was so similar and Lauren James was there to sweep it in goal. Um, the confidence to do that, I mean, she's not short on confidence, we know that. Um, but doing that on the world stage... Uh, Lucy Bronze looked so proud. She's spoken about how she enjoys playing with LJ when they're on the same side. Um, and yeah, she looked like proper proud when she when she did that. Um, but yeah, she she was just on fire today. What, three assists, two goals? That's crazy. For someone her age in your first major tournament, and like this is the thing, you want to be careful. You don't want to put too much pressure on a young player. Um, but she just seems to be loving life and she looks so laid back, she's horizontal. Well, we spoke to uh, Lucy Bronze in the little uh, the mix zone at the end of it, and we were sort of saying, you know, Lucy Bronze and Lauren James seem to have quite a sort of close knit relationship, this kind of like mentoring, uh, best friendship type vibe. And Lucy was saying, you know, she's quite one of the, you know, Lucy herself is quite a reserved character, really, not sort of one for, you know, being, you know, on the TikToks and that kind of and that kind of thing. And I think she she and Lauren James are sort of quite, you know. I think they're sort of like introverted characters, aren't they? And I think she was saying, you know, she reminded her a lot of her. She obviously wanted to protect her and not ensure that, you know, just because she's out there performing to this level, she doesn't want, she wants to maintain the fact that there shouldn't be this pressure on her to consistently perform. Like, yeah, she scored three goals in three games, but the minute you start piling pressure on her and have this expectation that she needs to deliver perfectly every single game, that's when it's not so good. So, yeah, I'm hoping... Obviously, this is only going to buoy her confidence, and um, yeah, we're all looking forward to like seeing what what she does because Lauren James' goals are just they're just worldies, aren't they? They're just like they're just horrendous, just horrendous. But I mean, one of the goals today was it was was offside, was ruled offside. We thought, I think, the entire Lionesses contingent thought that it was complete tragedy that this goal was taken away from Lauren James, and I think you could say I think Lucy Bronze looked really disappointed and upset as well because. 
Lucy Bond started in the offside position. As the ball kind of came in, she was walking onside. The goal, the ball then came back whilst Lucy Bonds was onside. And then as soon as it was struck, I mean, to me, Lucy Bonds wasn't anything to do with that phase of play at all, like in the slightest. But Rach, what did you think about this? Because I thought it was absolutely the wrong call. So I was down the other end and I didn't see Lucy Bronze, but having looked at it back, I can understand the confusion because initially I'm like, oh, she's miles offside. But then the ball mm-hmm. comes out and comes back in. She doesn't make any attempt to play it. It no. looks to be cleared by a Chinese defender, which then mm-hmm. surely is another phase of play. So then the ball went back out. Lucy Bronze came back onside and the ball came back in again. Um, so that did cause a lot of confusion. Um, producer Charlie did say that new rules, he, he Googled it, are in that state, if someone is clearly miles offside, then that player should not become onside on every occasion when an opponent moves and touches the ball. But that mm-hmm. feels a bit, um, what's the word? Subjective to me, because I feel like the defender had completely cleared the ball. It's not like Lucy had challenged the defender or anything like that. Now, maybe one could say the reason the defender cleared it was because Lucy was behind her, but you know, the goal was behind her. It was a, it was a, sh- a kind of a, a header towards goal, if you like. Um, so yeah, that looking at it back, that's one of those where you're like, you're pretty sure you know the offside rule until you watch that, and you're like, <laughs> someone needs to explain it to me in a bit more detail. I think you've explained it absolutely perfectly, mate. In in the sense that it didn't make sense uh, to a lot of people. Um, but yeah, you could tell Lucy was visibly a little bit upset by the fact that she'd sort of maybe taken away a goal from her mate. Um, but another thing that I really, really liked about uh, Lauren's performance was not only the fact that she was so tenacious in front of goal, but also I think in the past she's got criticism for not tracking back, for not sort of, you know, being that strong defensively. But this game, I think we saw Lauren James track back the absolute... I'd love to see what her stats are saying because she was there. She was defending set pieces. She was defending... Um, after the set pieces had initially been cleared, she was defending the, the second stage of play as well. She was going out to ensure that second crosses weren't coming in. I mean, this was a Lauren James who really wanted to keep her shirt. So for me, I was down that end in the first half and I was thinking that exact same thing to myself where I was like, I am seeing a lot of her down here in front of me. Like she is coming back. She is defending. She is putting in those tackles. Um, you know, I was really impressed with her tracking back today. The one thing I will say is don't ever kick a ball over the side of the pitch on purpose. Um, even if you're trying to delay an opponent or whatever it is, it's not worth it. Hit a photographer. The photographer's fine. But like, you know footballers out there don't do that it's silly um but yeah she was she was very very good and I was it was just one of those you know when you have a conversation about something and then it literally happens right in front of you and it, it, you immediately recognize we need to talk about this we need to talk about this and recognize it on the podcast because um she deserves a lot of credit for that 100% I think um if I was Ella Toon right now I'd be feeling seriously concerned that my starting minutes or my the the my capacity for minutes were going to be severely reduced going into the uh, into the latter stage of this of this tournament I with James performing to that level so strong uh, she's only the third player since records have been kept in 2011 to be directly involved in five goals in a world cup and that is just that's astonishing. There was a beautiful sign in the crowd, actually. They panned over to the, the crowd and it was like, Lauren James is a better player than, than Reese James. And I think if anything is going to show the world, the proof, the evidence of that being being so true, I think it was a game like today. I mean, I can only assume that Reese and, and the rest of the family are completely and utterly proud of what she's achieved. But my God, she is absolutely destroying, destroying teams. And she's our kind of 
our leading light, I think, going into this tournament and all the hype around, you know, whether she was going to perform and stuff seems to have now been fulfilled. So I'm hoping that we sort of see that going forwards. I think also I've got to give a little bit of a mention to the fact that there was this two up top situation, which we sort of haven't really seen before. The Hemp Russo double act, um, which again, Serena just sort of, I mean, when you think about the transition time between the previous game against Denmark and this game, so many things have changed in terms of three at the back, the two up front, um, you know, Toon coming up, Lauren James, like making that that start. You've got, now you've got Coombs coming, the, the use of substitutes was completely different. You know, Coombs coming on at half time and then the three, the triple sub, like not, what, about 10, 15 minutes later and then Toon getting a, an opportunity later on in the game in the sort of 75th plus minute. Um, but yeah, I mean, what did you think about the kind of the, the, the partnership between Russo and Hemp? Because I thought it, I mean, it worked clearly it was working. I mean, the deliveries coming in, Russo wanted to get on the end of it. Hemp wanted to get on the end of it. It just seemed like those two have been working together for years. And obviously that's not the case. I've decided to call her Tinker Taylor, Serena Vigman, because she is not one normally to tinker with teams that we know of. And suddenly all she's doing is actually first team. Second team, totally different. Third team, entirely different. Um, third team to the point where, like, we were literally sitting here kind of going, who's going to play where? How, what format are they playing? Like, and credit to them to be able to play that with, what, six days preparation? Um, I think sometimes England are, aren't great at adapting in match, but my God, can they take on information from game to game and, and change quite a lot. Um, I really enjoyed the Russo-Hemp partnership. I don't know if it was that... It put less pressure on Russo and it allowed Lauren Hemp to be more direct. And we don't often see, sometimes Lauren Hemp is criticized for not being direct enough, I think. Sometimes she'll come in from the from the side more and sometimes like, just go central, go direct. So actually maybe having the two of them took the pressure off each other a little bit. Um, and there just seemed to be, I said, like I said, this fluidity, a freedom, um, you know, a, I have to say there were a couple of hairy moments in defense today which kind of slightly worried me in terms of you know opponents being able to capitalize in that area now that could be down to the fact there was three at the back and our you know our fullbacks like to get high but um you know there were just there were moments where Mary Earps had to make some great saves you know um thank god there's a world-class keeper between the sticks because that can still happen even if you're winning 6-1 those moments can still happen um so that would be the thing I think England maybe need to tighten up but I think it's so interesting that England are showing they have so much variety that it must make it really difficult for an opponent to set up against because now they don't really know what to expect. What a weapon. None of us do. None of us know <laughs> what the starting lineup's going to be next week. We just don't have it. We don't even know what the formation is going to be anymore. Um, one thing we do need to have a think about, I think, is what we're going to call this partnership between Russo and Hemp. I mean, we've had the Miedemar, we've you know, with the MEAD Miedemar type situation. Do we call it Rump? Rump. Mm, yeah. I don't know if that works. Do we do that? Who, who Rump so? up top. <laughs> yeah. It's, Ooh, um, that sounds... It needs, it needs some work. It does need it does. some work. Anyway, we yeah. digress. Um, but one thing I did think was quite positive, obviously, you know, we were... Absolutely storming through the game, scoring goals left, right and centre. The goal drought was officially ended. Um, we did see a lot of, you know, players getting more minutes. Neve Charles coming on, uh, Coombs, who we obviously saw in the in the previous game, coming on as a sort of Walsh replacement, uh, getting some further minutes as well. And then two sort of towards the back end of the game and England and Kelly. I mean, 
this is a lot of subs. I mean, out of those, who do you think sort of made the biggest impact? I mean, it's, it is hard to say, I suppose, because the team were already doing so well at that point. It just seemed like we were just doing additionally well. But it's very unlike Serena just to put players on to give them minutes. But there was a lot more rotation in this game. I was really impressed with Chloe Kelly, um, mm. the way she came on. It felt like at some points there were moments where we were like, have we found our super subs? Um but equally, I think Chloe does well when she starts. But she was unlucky not to get more goals, I thought. And she had such an impact. She scored minutes after coming on. Um, and I mean, it was a horrendous error by the keeper who just found herself in no man's land and got completely stranded. Um, it happened. But yeah, she, yeah, well, yeah, she looked she looked dangerous. I did, I enjoyed, uh, I, I tweeted this as the substitutes were coming on. I think it was the, the double substitution or maybe the triple substitution. And the, the Chinese photographer next to me said, and number seven is still on the pitch. Please get rid of her. Like he was saying, <laughs> all these substitutes and still Lauren James is on the goddamn pitch. Like, take her off. Um, so when I saw Ella Toon lining up near the end, I turned to him and I was like, she's coming off now. And he went, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> the damage has already been done. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we now face Nigeria in the round of 16. Obviously, Nigeria have been doing the absolute business in your favourite group. Um, yeah, we've seen them obviously, you know, get out of the group. We weren't expect no one was expecting that really, to be honest. I mean, they're ranked 40th uh, in the competition. On paper, we should be thinking this is a great matchup. The Lionesses versus Nigeria, we couldn't have asked for a better draw. But given how strong Nigeria have been, it is still it is still a massive concern. But then on the on the flip side, I'm like, well, Serena can just chop and change, decide what she wants, just put puts for, like rotations together, just puts formations together, just puts players in different different situations, and all of a sudden we've got this magic winning formula. Like, who the who the hell are we as mere mortals to even consider that the England team are going to have any issues against Nigeria? She'll just come up with something completely and ridiculously novel that we've not all thought about. So. Um, yeah, any concerns about that game or do you think actually Serena seems to be nailing it to the wall? I I don't think we should forget the trouble that England had against Haiti or Denmark, all right? It wasn't mm. particularly comfortable and we weren't saying that after both of those games. Um that I is do true. think Let's Serena Vigman Yeah. I do think Serena Vigman is very good at finding getting the puzzle pieces and putting them all together and, and what she's starting to do now when she puts those puzzle pieces together is to create a new picture every time which is um pretty impressive yes. so, so i do poetic. think thank you um and it's you know 10 to 1 in the morning i'm, I'm managing to, to pull that out of my arse um i think there are going to be some changes against nigeria i do think there's areas to exploit um in at the back with nigeria they do leave gaps but equally, they're very fast. They're so fast. And Oshawala is obviously a key player for them. A couple of times she got between, you know, Ireland played five at the back and she got between the defenders. Um, so England will need to limit her chances because she tends to need a few chances to, to get it on target or to get a goal. Um, so I would say that that will be the key. Um, England will need to be tighter at the back, I think. All right, another big game. I think what I am really enjoying now is that the Lionesses seems to have sort of come from behind and seem to be now racing forwards a little bit more as the front runners. Everyone had a lot of concerns about them. Someone like the USA seemed to start very much from the front runners and have now kind of 
their performances seem to have kind of like decreased, I would say. I mean, today they faced Portugal. It was nil-nil by the end. Portugal had one of the most ridiculous chances right towards the end of the game, which almost meant that the USA were, as reigning World Cup champions, were nearly knocked out in the group stages. I mean... That was how close the margin was in this game. Um, it was obviously a major scare for them. Uh, they've gone through to the round of 16 uh, in the group just behind the Netherlands and they'll face Sweden, uh, the last team to beat them in the 90-minute World Cup match. I mean, Rach, what did you make of this game? Because to me, this is not the powerhouse US team that we expected to storm the group stages and run riot. Um, concerning for me. Well, not concerning because well, it means good things for the Lionesses. We talked about them in the last episode and we spoke about how they were kind of lacking a little bit of an identity. Um, you know, the fact that they've got 14 uh, players making their World Cup debut in this squad. Um, and, you know, we always expect so much from them because of, of who they are and how they've played and how they do in World Cups. Um but I think they're just taking a little a little while to find their feet and find each other. And I think that link of play, you've got Alex Morgan and you've got two youngsters either side of her. Um, and that's just taking a little while for all of that to come together. Um, and I think teams are seeing that and teams are finding ways to exploit them. Uh, I thought Portugal were un- unlucky. I thought they really, um, they really went for it with the US. You know, they had more possession. Um, but when you talk about that almost goal right at the death, Portugal still didn't have any shots on target, you know. Um, USA had seventeen, but only six on target. So it's stuff like that. It's those kind of those those kind of stats that maybe you don't expect to be down with with a team like the USA. And I saw somewhere I don't know if someone put it in a WhatsApp group or I saw it on Twitter. But the last the, the last time, well, it's never happened before where the USA have haven't won two games in a group stage, which just seems crazy. You know, when you looked at that group, you kind of thought, okay. Netherlands and, and uh, the USA are getting out of this group. Which way will it be? Probably USA, Netherlands. Um, and actually, we've kind of all been surprised. But you also then have to factor in that, you know, a World Cup is providing that team more time to play with each other. And that's what they need, ultimately, is, is competitive matches together. Um, so they're definitely not one you'd want to count out. Absolutely not. And just because they've had an absolute shitter um, in that game, I I agree. You can't go on and just think, okay, well, that's just how it's going to be because we have seen a stronger performance with them in the group stages. And also, they do still have Sophia Smith. They do still have Alex Morgan. They do still have Lynn Williams, who also had an amazing few good opportunities, I think, today. Um, But like you said, I mean, Anna Capetta smashing that that strike on uh, on the post. I mean, that literally inches were the difference between the US being out. And I think to me that just feels like hairy, hairy moments. But they Squeaky are through. They've done enough. Um so yeah, they'll be facing Sweden and we'll see what Sweden can do with them, I suppose. Um the Netherlands, however, uh will most likely face Italy, South Africa or Argentina next, but it will most likely be Italy on the points. They're in three points. Uh, South Africa and Argentina have one point. Um, yeah, I mean, the Netherlands today, I mean, you look at the US and you look at the issues they were having against Portugal. And at the same time the game was being played, the Netherlands were absolutely destroying Vietnam, going through them like a steam train. Like, what was it you say? A, a knife through butter? A knife through butter. Lovely. 
Yeah, hot knife, hot knife through, through butter. butter. That's it. Um, I mean, seven nil is an absolute destruction. That to me has come at a, at a probably a quite difficult time mentally for the US when they are struggling in the Portugal game to then obviously at half time be p- facing a situation where they've been told that goal after goal after goal is happening uh, just across the ocean from them. I mean, not great, not great at all. Fantastic for the Netherlands. I think this is you know, phenomenal. I mean, Jill Ward getting on the score sheet again, and that's her third goal. Um, difficult stuff for Vietnam, who changed their goalkeeper at the break. Uh, I mean, to be fair, they only conceded two in the second half. Um, so that's a pretty good record for a goalkeeper coming on. I mean, the damage has effectively already been done. Um, you know, I did have, I did, I did kind of feel for them. I mean, Charlie Appadusa has horribly asked me a question about whether, you know, I, that's ever happened to me. And, you know, that's that's quite it's quite triggering actually, Char, to throw in a question like that because yes, Rach. Yes, Rach. What? It's happened to me. I uh, Good. I played for Leinster and um we had done really well all through our groups and me I was the second keeper and the first keeper, you know, and the two of us got the same amount of games in the tournament. And in the last game we were playing Ulster who had smashed everybody. They were amazing. And my defence just like just didn't turn up for the first half. Like they were Love awful. That. I made so many saves, but we were 5-0 down at halftime and they subbed me off and they got a talking to at halftime and they decided to go on and actually do some bloody defending and they scored two more. So I've been there. Um, savage thing to do. Um, I think there's a lot to be said. Like, obviously in these groups, they all play the same opposition, right? They all play each other. But there's a lot to be said to the order in which these fixtures happen. Mm-hmm. And I think with the Netherlands what's been useful is they've met the USA in the middle. They've held them. That's hugely boosted their confidence and what an impact that's had on them against Vietnam. USA started out against Vietnam, kind of finding their feet in the tournament, didn't put away enough goals probably for them. 3-0, wasn't it? And then they hit um, the Netherlands and it's a draw and that dents the confidence a little bit more. And then they have to face Portugal who've had a pretty decent tournament and are, you know, first time... They've, they've won a game. They're, they're going at the, you know, the US. They have nothing to lose. And it's so interesting how it can impact teams depending on how... Like, you look at Ireland. Imagine starting against the hosts and then following up the Olympic gold medalists. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You're kind of like, bloody hell. So it's, it is, there's something to be said for the order in which your fixtures and how, how that can impact your run or your confidence as you progress through the tournament. Rach, I'm so glad you answered that goalkeeping um, question because uh, for me, my experience has been uh, it was again it was Palace, and we were playing a we were playing in the FA Cup against Arsenal, uh, and you can only imagine how that was. That was about two three years ago. Bear in mind we were training about two or three evenings a week, and it was in the height of the pandemic. Um, our squad looked very very different to what you see in the Championship now, and uh, it was nine nil. Uh, five of those being scored by Miedemar. Um It was an absolute privilege to touch the same ball um, that had been scored by such an icon and to pick that out of the back of the net and have to go Hi, and guys. give that to one of my defenders to place on the um, on the centre spot again. So thanks for that, Char. We're going to end on that absolutely harrowing note. 
Um, thank you for listening to today's episode of Upfront. We'll be back on Friday to round up the remaining games of the group stages. Uh, remember to subscribe in your podcast app and get in touch with your questions in the meantime. We are on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Morgie underscore 89. Rach is at Girls on the Ball. And we are generally at Upfront underscore pod. You can also find us on YouTube. We are at Upfront pod. See you next Friday. You're just you're just so happy because you're getting a lion. I can't even cope. Look at you're absolutely bouncing off the wall. I need to be fed, Chloe. I need to be fed. Yeah, you do. Like I seriously need to be fed because there won't be a lion. I'll be awake at seven o'clock, like looking for food, like a little scavenger. Why are we still recording? Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.